Hey, welcome. Welcome if you are new. It's really good to have you here. If you are not used to this kind of thing, if this is your first time, you can just relax. Like if you want to take your shoes off even, you actually can. It's fine. You just need to relax. And uh, what we're going to do is read from the Bible and talk about what that means for us. And these guys in the front are going to like keep a lid on the chats, right? They definitely are. (laughs) Okay, who has a paper Bible here this morning? You've got your paper Bible? Or your Bible on your phone, that's also okay. Why don't you grab it out? And we're going to turn to the book of Colossians. So you can turn there and let me know when you're ready. Sammy wants to go home. <laughs> Colossians, cool. So let me pray and then we're going to get into it. God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that it's for everybody, that we don't have to be a certain way, we don't have to act a certain way. God, that you just want to know us, Jesus, that you gave your life for us, to forgive us, to bring us peace, to bring us joy. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning as we read from your word in Jesus' name. And the whole church said, Amen. So, Colossians, this message of Paul. Uh, this letter of Paul, when we all boiled it down, what it is, is it is talking about that for everything that is worthwhile and good and true and wholesome and godly, there's actually like a counterfeit or a fake version, right? So it's talking about what's real and what's fake. And so this is like the first two chapters of Colossians, this is what's happening. And then the the last two chapters we're going to talk about as well. So grab your orange highlighter. Who doesn't have an orange highlighter and they'd love one? If you're visiting, we've got some orange highlighters here. And the Duncan Fisher rule is (laughs) um, in your connect group, when you're reading with your Bible study group, when you're reading at church, you grab your orange highlighter and anything that we read that is God's instruction to us, that is something that you are responsible for, we highlight that in orange. Is that cool? Who needs a highlighter? Anyone? We're good. All right. Awesome. So... There's a bunch of stuff going on in the world at the time that Colossians is written. There's a whole bunch of stuff. Paul's actually in jail when he is writing this letter, so it's not like a comfortable situation for him to be in, is it? And we are so blessed in this time and in this day to be able to just gather like this. How amazing. Let us never take it for granted that we can come together in a place like this. We can be in a building like this. We can sing our hearts out about the goodness of God because that's not the case everywhere. And it hasn't been the case everywhere throughout history either. So we're grateful, aren't we? We're grateful for that. And so Paul is in prison when he's written this letter to the Colossians. And um, they're dealing with lots of things and they're trying to just deal with things however they know how, basically, which means they are going to things that are not God to fulfill, to fulfill their needs, to fulfill their, to maybe to bring peace, to bring whatever it is. They're looking for all of these things that only God can bring. They're looking for them in other things. And so they're finding comfort in meaning and and things that are actually a really poor second to God (laughs) and to a relationship with Jesus. And so Paul prays for them in chapter 1 and verse 10, and you can read along with me if you're there. And he says to them, first slide, thanks, schmabs. Thank you. So this is Paul and he's praying for the church and he says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. How good is that? So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened, who doesn't need that, with all the power according to his glorious might, 
so that you may have great endurance and patience. And, next one, Abby. <laughs> and joy, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So the question for us today, whenever we read the Bible, actually, we say this all the time, but just in case you're visiting or you're new, whenever we read the Bible, we want to ask three questions. What does this mean for them, the people who it was written to? What does it mean for us as a church here, as a gathering here? And what does it mean for me personally as a follower of Jesus? So we're going to keep these questions in mind as we read through Colossians as well. So Paul is saying, he's praying that the people would live a godly life, that they would please God, that they would bear fruit, that they would grow in their knowledge of God, that they would be strengthened in his power, they have great endurance. That's a lot of good things, isn't it? Who would love those things? I would love those things. So the question for us today, as modern readers of Colossians, is how do we genuinely do this? Like, how do we genuinely follow Jesus? Firstly, when life is difficult, when things are difficult. But secondly, when there are so many other distractions, so many other quick fixes, so many other things that would take the place of Jesus if we did turn to those things. This is a really good question. So what is the ultimate thing is the question. Because the ultimate thing is the thing that's left when everything else fades away, right? When you run out of money, <laughs> when the world is crazy, when there are wild things going on in the world, what's left over that is the solid thing? And you and I know that that is Jesus. And we pray that lots of people would come to know that that is Jesus. And he never fails. He never fails. He is the ultimate thing. Jesus is ultimate. And this is one of the main messages of the book of Colossians is that Jesus is supreme over everything. He is the best. He's the best. Look at someone next to you say, Jesus is the best. If you're a visitor and you're like, that's really weird, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't run away. <laughs> it will be fine. So in Colossians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul, is, Paul starts saying to the Colossians now, after he's talked about, these are the things that I'm praying, I'm praying these things for you. And then he says to them, since you're following Jesus now, don't go back to the old ways of doing things. Don't go back to the old ways of doing things, to the old things that were bringing you comfort, to the old things that you found your security in. Don't go back to those things. This is a massive message. We could say, don't drift. Don't drift. Don't drift. Jesus is ultimate. Don't drift because it doesn't work. <laughs> All the things that we drift to, it doesn't work. So how do we grow when things are challenging and when there are so many pressing issues and crises and temporary fixes that are pulling for our attention? It feels a little bit like that at the moment, doesn't it, with everything going on in the world? What is ultimate here? I love potatoes. If you can have that next slide, Abby. Not potatoes that look like this specifically. And um, Andrew also asked me to let you know that this potato was not from our cupboard. He said to say it was from Bubba's cupboard. <laughs> Sorry, Bubba. <laughs> so this potato from Bubba's cupboard, look at that. <laughs> it's not the kind of potato we want to eat, really, but I love potatoes. Does anyone else you love potatoes? Oh, like mashed potato? Potato bake, potato gems, potato scallops, potato chips. What else is there? Anything else? What have I missed? Hash browns, anything else? What? Potato guns. You can't eat potato guns. <laughs> I'd just like to remind you that I actually invited my friends 
from across the road to church today. So if you could behave, that'd be great. (laughs) I love potatoes. I love potatoes. And the coolest thing about potatoes, though, is they actually begin to grow and thrive in the dark. In the dark, in the bottom of the cupboard, where there's no light, no one's watering them, no one's saying nice words to them like we say to our pot plants sometimes. No? No one says... There is a study that if you speak well to your plants that they do thrive. Um, is that true, Matthew? There, there it is. I don't know what that means, but Matthew's a scientist and we're going to go with that. <laughs> but potatoes, they don't need any of this. They don't need this. Not to start sprouting. So they start growing in the darkest places, in the back of the cupboard where they are forgotten. No one sees them. No one's saying nice things to them. No one's watering them. No one's fertilizing them. They just begin to grow. What a legend, right? That's amazing. That's amazing. I want to be someone who grows in the dark. There's so much wild, crazy things happening, on in the, happening in the world right now. And I want to be a person who is not waiting for perfect conditions to continue to grow in my faith, to continue to grow in the things of God. Is anyone with me? You'd love to come on that journey. Let's just be people who grow even when it's dark. I love what Rhett was talking about. He was talking about King Jehoshaphat last week. And one of the things that King Jehoshaphat said was, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on you. (laughs) Because it would be a shame, wouldn't it, if we gave up and if we threw in the towel and we regressed in our faith and we lost our way. Ironically then, not having any clear foundation from which to navigate difficult things. It would just be a shame. If that were the case, we've not only abandoned what is secure, But at the same time, we've let go of the very thing that helps us in those difficult times. What a shame that would be. (laughs) Let's not do that. Let's not be a church that does that. What a bummer that would be. And I kind of feel like hardship and darkness and difficulty and loss and distraction, those things have actually already cost me so much. I don't know about you. And so I will not allow those things to cost me my growth in Christ as well. That is something that I choose. I wonder if you would choose it with me this morning. Let's, be, let's um, be the one who thrives in the dark. Things might feel helpless, but we are not powerless. Things are not ideal in the world, are they? But it's not the end of the story. And things might feel heavy, but Abby, if we can have the next slide. Jesus has actually already said to us, I will carry stuff for you. Just come to me come to me. My, my way is easy. My burden is light. He's saying the way that I'm asking you to live and to think and to be, it's light. It's not a burden. He's like, I'll take your burdens. How incredible. So we already have this assurance that when we come to Jesus, we give him these weighty things and he helps us. He helps us. There is no better deal than that, right? It is incredible. And we praise God for that. We thank you, God. Thank you, God, for Jesus. Hey, Don't cry, Carrie. How amazing. So let's not let difficulty take that from us. Take that that decision. Let's not let difficulty make the decision for us that we will regress in our faith, that it's too hard to grow right now, that it's too crazy to grow right now. It's not. Jesus will carry your burdens and we can still grow in the dark. Amen. And we can still grow in the dark. So let's just talk about what is growing, what is thriving, right? Right. Um, Because I think 
maybe what we think of when we think about growing and thriving is we think of like green leaves all the time, right? And like being happy all the time. And if we're thriving, everything is okay all the time. But that's actually not what growth is. <laughs> it's actually not what thriving is. Thriving just means growing. And growing means ongoing development and changing physically, which is interesting. So it's not just a static state of existing all the time. That's not what flourishing is. That's not what growing is, which is good news for us. It's a cycle of renewal. So when Paul says in Romans, and you might know it, I think we've got it on the screen, that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, he's not talking about a one-time thing, right? He's not talking about we, he removes our brain, God removes our brain and he replaces it with a new one. And then we're done. For, we're good. We're good forever. We're set forever. It's not that. It's not that. It's a renewing. It's a cycle. So what that means for you and I today is, especially when we think about the Word of God, when we want to read our Bible, when we want to spend time in prayer, what that means is that is the place where our mind is being renewed. So we read the Word. We renew our mind. It nourishes us. It nourishes our spirit. It nourishes our heart. It nourishes. It, it flows to every area of our life, our emotions, our family, our relationships, everything, when we renew our mind. So we do this. We renew our mind. And then life happens. And <laughs> things can be challenging. And so then we go and renew our mind again. And then life happens. And then we go and renew our mind again. It's a cycle. It's a cycle, isn't it? Something that we do repeatedly. It's a continual renewal. We renew our minds. We live from that perspective. Life happens and we renew our minds again. This is the best thing that you can do. It's the best thing. I'm going to give you a practical tool for this later at the end when we talk about some practical things. One of my favourite things in life, other than potato-based food, is, and I'm not exaggerating about this, it's in the middle of winter. Um, Greg and I, we live near, we have a big... um, a bit, we have a road that's lined with big trees. And so in winter, as in everywhere in Armada, all of, the, all of the trees, lots of the trees, they lose their leaves, don't they? And they kind of look dead from the outside, don't they? <laughs> and especially with the drought the last, you know, a few years ago, we, we were kind of wondering, is that tree going to, is it going to make it? <laughs> is it going to come back to life again? I don't know. Um, and, and this is my, one of my favourite things is in winter, when you see the trees that have lost all their leaves... There's, there's a time where they look like they're dead <laughs> and then there's a time when these little buds, they haven't got leaves yet, but these little buds start to appear and I love it. I love seeing that and I'll go and like snap one off, sorry tree, and take it home because it just reminds me, it reminds me that things look dead now but flourishing is coming. There are things happening within the tree, within its branches, within its root system that are just bringing about this life-sustaining flourishing, but we just can't see it outwardly outwardly yet. And it's okay that your life is that way as well. So many, so many things we see in creation. God is so smart. <laughs> we see things in creation and they mirror often spiritual truths. And this is one of those things. So this cycle of renewal, renewing our minds, thriving when things are difficult, thriving in situations that are difficult, this is a cycle. And so next time you see the trees, (laughs) they're they're starting to lose their leaves even now, aren't they? Next time you see them, we can remember that summer is actually on the way. 
there is still thriving actually happening within the tree. We just can't see it from the outside. And it indicates to me, even though there are no outward signs of growth, that there's something greater to come. There's something incredible and miraculous and life-sustaining that is already happening within the tree. And it can be the same for you and I. Same as the trees, the same as the potatoes. (laughs) We don't need life to be perfect to thrive, to grow, to be growing in our faith. So let's ask this question. What is sustaining you in the dark? What is sustaining you in the dark? And how do we genuinely follow Jesus when life is difficult? So when when Paul is talking to the Colossians, the Colossian church, he's saying fake won't work in times like these. Human ideas will not work in times like these. Anything that we put in place of Jesus, it's not going to work in times like these. The rules actually aren't God. The rules aren't God. Cultural expectation, that is not God. Those things aren't God and they will not nourish you or cause you to flourish. So let's ask it like this. What is sustaining us in the dark? And we want to remember the main message of Colossians is don't drift. Don't drift to those other things. Don't drift. Jesus is our foundation. Don't drift. Jesus is our foundation. That's the message. If you forget everything else, even the potatoes this morning, you just want to remember. Don't drift. Jesus is our foundation. So the first chunk of the book of Colossians, chapter 1 and 2, Paul is saying don't drift from the ultimate, which we've talked about, and that Jesus is better than every other way. And in chapters 3 and 4, he's saying this is how you do that. We've talked about not drifting. This is what I want you to do. And he's saying this is how. There are lots and lots of things that we can take from this book. But seeing as we only have like 30 minutes this morning, not even that now, we're going to look at three things really quickly. Are you ready? So these three things are thinking, say thinking, heart, say heart, and message. Thinking, heart, message. Thinking, heart, message. These are three things that I'll expand on that we can take from the book of Colossians so that we can begin to grow in the dark, that we can continue to thrive when things are difficult. It's not too hard for God. This is not too hard for God. Three things, thinking heart message. So these are the things that Paul is writing about and he's been praying over this body of believers, which means Paul is saying if everyone does these things, we'll actually all be better off and we'll all be growing in our faith. And that's what we want even today, isn't it, in this church, in our church in Armidale. So thinking, chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand. It says, uh, Verse 2 says, Set your minds, say minds, You're thinking, set your minds on things above, not earthly things. So this is addressing our thinking. But contrary to how we might read it in this day and age, we need to always think of the cultural context, don't we, that things were written in. So Paul's not actually talking about think about heaven and dream of when Jesus will come and rescue you. (laughs) That's not what he's saying when he says, set your minds on on things above. He's actually using this language and he's setting a distinction between there's a human way of thinking... There's a human way of reacting. There's a human way of dealing with stuff. And then there's God's way. And we want to set our minds on things above. We want to think about things God's way. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying you're a new person with, and, and you've got a new way of being human because of Jesus. And we're doing stuff Jesus' way now. We're doing stuff the Jesus' way now. 
So notice Paul doesn't say, don't think about earthly things at all. That would be crazy, right? If you have a heart, (laughs) you are probably like me, grieved about all that's going on in the world. And that's normal. And I hope that that's the case. (laughs) It would be weird if it wasn't. He's not saying, don't think about these things. He's saying, don't set your mind on them. And so what that means, I'll give you, if anyone is into like Greek words, um, the Strong's word here is number 5426, if you want to jot it down. And um, why was I telling you this? Right, there is the idea when we look at that word and what that word, all that that word means and all of the ideas that that word encompasses. The idea is um, when we talk about setting our minds on something, it means we think about something in a way that actually outworks itself in our actions, in our actions and in our thinking. So he's not saying don't think about what's happening in the world. He's saying don't set your mind on them in such a way that it directs your outward behaviour, that it directs, that it just takes over, that it just controls your way of thinking, your way of responding. And so we could say the same thing about the Word of God, the truth of the Gospel, all of these good things that we read in the Bible. We want to set our mind on those things so that they are also outworked. In our, in our responses, in our behaviour, <laughs> in our thinking. Is that cool? Number, number two, heart. Everyone say heart. So we go down to verse 15 and Paul writes this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. We've heard a lot in recent years about being thankful, so we won't revisit that again right now, although it is important. Don't forget it. Highlight it with your orange highlighter. Be thankful. That's one of those things. Yeah, and be thank you. Uh, be thankful. And so what does a ruler do? What does, when you think about a ruler, like what is the ruler of your heart? What does a ruler do? And so I, was, I did a little bit of research and, and in the day that Colossians was written and, and a lot in the Old Testament as well, a ruler who wasn't corrupt, <laughs> and many of them were, <laughs> a ruler would protect, a ruler would be a mediator, and a ruler would provide like a structure for operation. So like laws and these, the ways of doing things, right? This is what a ruler would do. And so a good question is, are we allowing Jesus and the peace of Christ? Oh, is that the ruler of our heart or is it something else? Is somebody else ruling our heart? And I don't know about you, but I am terrible at those things, protecting being a mediator <laughs> and, and providing a structure of operation. I do love a spreadsheet. We all know that, but it's not talking about that. And so fear is actually a terrible ruler of your heart. And so is self. (laughs) Self is a terrible ruler. (laughs) And so are other imperfect people. I think we've probably all, if we've been alive for long, we've all, we've all made somebody else the ruler of our heart, another person, imperfect, flawed person, the ruler of our heart and have ended up disappointed. Anybody? I definitely have. And so the question for us is, who is the ruler of our heart? Is it Jesus? Is it his, does he bring peace to our heart? Is he the one that is the mediator? Is he the one that is protecting us? Is he the one that provides a structure of operation from which we actually outwork our lives? This is a good question. We can't expect another fallible person to be a good ruler of our hearts, no matter how much we love them, no matter how good looking they are, no matter how amazing they are. 
We can't allow another person to be the ruler of our heart. Is that cool? Awesome. Don't drift. Jesus is our foundation. And the last one is message. So we've got thinking, heart, message. In verse 16, we read, let the message of Christ, what does it say? It says, dwell richly among you as you teach and admonish one another with all spiritual wisdom through the Psalms, through hymns, through songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in our hearts. I loved hearing everybody sing in praise and worship this praise and worship this morning, you could just sense that people were grateful, that people wanted to be here, that people wanted to worship God, that we wanted to, wanted to honour Jesus together. And it was just a really beautiful thing. I just, I just loved that. It was really beautiful. Singing to God with gratitude in our hearts. So if we are to let the message of Christ dwell richly in us, like not dwell like sometimes, not dwell like a little bit, <laughs> not dwell on Tuesdays when we have that spare hour before we go to work. Like if we want the message of Christ to dwell richly in us, we need to keep renewing our mind. Hey, we need to keep reading the Bible. <laughs> we need to keep reading the Word. It is so important. And so we want the message of Christ to dwell richly, to fill us fully. And it requires some effort from you and I, doesn't it? if we want that to be the case. So just do it. Just begin. If you are not great at reading your Bible, we have all been there. It's okay. (laughs) No condemnation. If you've never picked up a Bible in your life, also totally fine. But maybe today is a good day to just decide, actually, I'm going to do that. I'm going to pick up a Bible. I'm going to prioritize renewing my mind, (laughs) renewing my mind, living life, life happens, renewing my mind again. I'm just going to prioritize. I'm going to prioritize this way of doing things because God is for you and everything in the Bible he's given us to equip us. And so how crazy it would be for us to abandon the very thing that he's given us to help us. Let's not do that. (laughs) Let's be a church who loves the Bible, who loves the word, who loves Jesus, who loves to worship God together. Let's be that church who wants to share the message of Christ that dwells richly within us, with our community, with our city of Armadale. So just do it. Just go there. Just decide you're going to do it. Sometimes I'll sit in the sun and I'll like just read the Gospels, not to study, not to try and retain information even, not to write a message or so that I can feel good about how holy I am reading my Bible. But sometimes it's, it's just to refresh my spirit. It's just to renew my mind. We need to allow space for that because it won't happen on its own. Let's be people of the word, hey? Very good. So I might get Kesh to come if that's all right. Love what um, Rhett said last week after he finished his message. He said, I'm just going to get Kesha to come so I sound more spiritual. That's definitely what's happening here. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kesha. <laughs> so don't drift. Don't drift. Jesus is our foundation. Don't drift. Jesus is superior. Jesus is supreme. Jesus is our foundation. That's the message for today. Thinking, heart, message. Thinking heart, thinking heart message, (laughs) message of Christ dwelling richly, dwelling richly with substance, with depth, the message of Christ dwelling richly. Would you like to stand with me? And we're just going to pray 